Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Joel and True, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Nugabar, coming to you live to air on this, yes, if you need to hear it, uh, Tuesday, March 31st, 2020, from, uh, well, it's night now, but it was kind of overcast, uh, suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's going to be kind of overcast, but hey, we're all staying inside. I hope you're staying inside and not uh, spreading disease <laughs> uh, and, and making the most of, of this quarantine if you are suffering, if you are sick. Uh, hopefully you know someone who has. My, my heart and genuinely my prayers go out to you uh, today. It is also the Tuesday after the fifth Sunday of Lent. Also seems weird because we haven't gathered as churches for the last number of weeks, um, doing a lot of live streaming and other ways of connecting as God's people. Um, and one of those ways, of course, is sharing podcasts and talking about TV shows and movies and all those fun ways that humans connect to each other. And so, yeah, as as the title goes into, this is the sort of the Picard review, end of season review. I did a mid-season review after episode five, um, but this is going to be the end of season review. There will be spoilers mainly going to the, the three themes that really stick out and the way they handled those themes. Uh, I should note that I'm, I'm not joined by any Star Trek related noise makers today, but I have my water. That's what water sounds like. And, uh, of course, uh, learning to breathe, diaphragm, all that fun stuff. I have no symptoms. I've been doing fine uh, making the most of this physical distancing. I refuse to call it social distancing, by the way. It's not social distancing. You can all have video chats and phone calls and all other ways of connecting, as I said before. So the three themes that I'll, I'll get to in a bit that Picard handles uh, the show, you know, themes of choice, death, and love. Uh, I might go choice, love, death, the way I talk about it. Um, and uh, to say that the show handles those themes in ways that are far more responsible than the way Hollywood usually does. And that's, that's where I'm going with this. Uh, first off, though, to give a bit of a non-spoiler review of the story, it definitely picks up after uh, that first half there. To, after episode five, it picks up. The, the episodes themselves are more set uh, discreetly, but the story itself moves along. Um, we get the reveals that we've been teased. We get to know what that secret that the Romulans have the Javash have passed down. Um, and it, I found it a, to be a very entertaining ride. Some things don't fully make sense to me. I do appreciate... Um, the, but I do appreciate the way that they continued the characters, especially of Picard and Soji. And so, uh, getting to more of that, I will have a... Uh, Similar to what I did with, I think I did the Discovery and Rebels. 
I'm going to do a comparison. I'm going to do a Picard and Last Jedi comparison. And that might go again into more of the story details and the character details. But today I'm going to do the themes. And um, as I said, theme of choice, love, and death. And those are three themes that Hollywood stories time and time again, especially over the last few decades, have been not very responsible with in terms of, of how they've been handled. And I begin with choice because choice is good, but it was often taken up, especially in this, the culture war context, as this be-all and end-all. Uh, the way my um, <laughs> my my systematic theology textbook once said it, it was beholden to the this ideology of a knot of pure autonomous power that that's the the end of the goal. So this the choice is important and, and agency is important, but often that's where stories landed is there'd be this big bad anti-choice. I'm using that, hopefully I'm using that term responsibly. Antagonist, tyrannical antagonist, and this, this fits with the American myth, right? Tyrannical antagonist that would restrict the choices of, of the main characters. And so our hero would be someone who, who rises above those limits or defeats and fights and kills the people who are causing those limits and is then free to make choices. That, uh, that tends to be the 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 way uh, the way it's taken, and one of those choices often are, are sexual romantic choices, right? The feelings uh, that we say, the feeling that we ascribe to the word love, whatever that means, it can be with who you want. And again, desire and choice are important there, but. The word love is always taken in a romantic context. The only way people can have any kind of intimacy is in a romantic sexual context. And and I've gone into that with our approaches to Jedi celibacy and things like that. But often in the whole and, and there's the whole genre of rom com and that's that's different. That's self consciously doing that. But um even, even then there are good ways of Having realistic human romance and having fairy tale fantasy pretending to be good and realistic and really just not telling real human stories. So even the word love, period, has just has, is often very limited in its application. And then and even then not very realistic. Death is a theme our culture and that's the thing is choice, choice, love, and death are, are things our culture just has a very difficult, or terms our culture has a very difficult way of grasping. Not to say other cultures are doing any better. I don't know. Um, death and old age, I should say. A lot of stories give into this ideology that that the death, the old are useless, the people who are dying are useless, and. We just need to ignore them, and uh, our, all our stories will always focus on on the youth and their end goal of choice, right? 
the the dying have their choices made for them. Therefore, they're less useful, less productive. I think a lot of our stories are beholden to that that ideology, that myth that you are to be always the hero of your own story by making your own choices. And again, it's not bad. <laughs> Telling stories of young people is not bad. To, to tease the thing with The Last Jedi, though, one of the things The Last Jedi does beautifully is it doesn't stop with let the past die kill it if you have to no it's we are but they grow beyond uh, you know we carry on the burdens of the past we carry on the traditions of the wisdom of the past into new situations and so what's interesting is picard is able to do handle these themes responsibly and in ways that were surprising, quite frankly, even for Star Trek, which is often being able to uh, take a more serious look at our culture and our society. But, it, uh, you know, I think with Enterprise and with Discovery, season one didn't really land there. It definitely was, was held down, well, some parts of Enterprise, I shouldn't say all of Enterprise, but most of Enterprise and, and Discovery the J.J. movies, to some extent, weighed down by our desires for fun action adventures and ideologies of freedom and uh, choice in and of itself. So that's the non-spoiler part. Taking some water. So let's look at the way I'll, I'll Picard handles choice. And I start with that. Because, as I've implied before, it's that's the fulcrum on which this turns, in which our storytelling often turns. And what's fascinating is, uh, you know, and this gets into the questions of, of age and youth. Yes, there's very much this sense of, at the end, uh, Soji has the choice to uh, you know is given the weight of responsibility of you know whether or not to be the destroyer to bring the chitari type creatures in and liberate her people so that they can make a choice and be free to have choice um, but picard has been able to see in his wisdom that there's more to it than pure liberty for him, it's always the choice to be better, right? Even going back to with the Federation and Starfleet uh, and his criticism of them having made the wrong choice not to help the Romulans, right? We see, in a, in a way, uh, you know, all the, the troubles and struggles, uh, or, or at least the, the scenario that this show sets up, right? the synth ban, and then the possible annihilation by synths is a result of the fear that certain Federation members and then by, uh, by, uh, by in connection to them, by, by um, consequence, the rest of the Federation is afraid of losing their self-interest 
their self-interested autonomy. Why should we help these Romulans who we've been at war with for how many how many decades? Why should we uh, do this when our economy is struggling, when our resources are struggling? And you know, instead of finding creative solutions to follow the clear right choice set before them to choose life and prosperity, I'm going to quote Bible here now, they choose death and adversity. Right? They choose to take this conflictual path to risk all these Romulans dying in, uh, in the supernova. Uh, they choose to retrench Romulan fears of what the Federation is. So clearly, and, and, and this beautiful speech, uh, I forget which episode it is, it's maybe around six or seven, Picard says, look, Soji isn't the destroyer, necessarily. Fear is the destroyer. It might be episode eight or so. Fear is the destroyer. He's debating with Rios. What if she is? And it's a beautiful exploration of the way in the way that choice can actually counteract uh, themes of destiny and fate that we feel bound by. It's our destiny and fate to seek our own self-interest. Well, it doesn't have to be. Uh, the selfish, fearful self-interest, I should say, right? We have the choice to see that the welfare of all is our welfare too. We have the choice to be better, to call off this attack, to seek peace. The Federation, thankfully, someone like takes someone like Riker to knock some sense into them has the choice, even after making such a heinous mistake, has the choice to be who it has always meant to be. Be the, the people, the group, the institution, the society that Gene Roddenberry, out of universe, always intended it to be. To seek out new life and new civilizations and to boldly go where no one has gone before. In the hope that they will also be peaceable and you know share a common reason and that's the funny thing is even if and this is what i got got at with in the, the mid-season review even if we don't believe in a common reason anymore we don't believe that people will always be peaceable or uh caring for others and extending the hand we can make the choice to do so that doesn't mean we have to be afraid we can hope that they learn and that they grow and that they change and so that's what's again beautiful about choice is that the choice to do evil is not locked in the choice to do good and be better like luke saying on pilio right <laughs> in uh, in uh, battlefront 2 and that's the thing about choice. And that's the thing about agency. The thing about identity that Picard explores here. Even 
Soji is programmed, right? And, and these androids are programmed since whatever are programmed, even they're not locked in. Or even more to say, actually they are programmed with data's ability to choose to do better. And that that's not seen as a negative. That's not seen as this determinist tyranny, <laughs> right? It's seen as something that, to, that we celebrate. We celebrate that data was the, the type of person yeah, I said that <laughs> and sought well, the type of person who would always seek the welfare of all people always kind and generous and compassionate even if he couldn't feel it emotionally and that it's not just that he was always constantly on a quest for humanity to be more human in some abstract sense. He was always on a quest to be more fully himself. It's it's Augustinian in a sense. Not fully, not entirely, but um, it does remind me of Augustine's whole idea of selfhood and choice and freedom to be fully ourselves. And Augustine would go place of being at rest in God. To be turned outward to others, to being with others, and to loving others. So that that's it's surprising. Again, and what I was saying is, even if we don't believe in a common reason, even if we don't necessarily trust our institutions to always have our back, the way Starfleet ends up having their back we can still make the first olive branch and make the first step. Even if, even if we risk martyrdom, and that's hard for, hard to say, right? but there's a call to integrity there. That, and called to personal integrity. Even, and not individual, I don't want to use the word individual, personal integrity on the part of Picard, who is able to teach Soji to show that integrity too. So, that's choice. Love is, again, it, it's one of those words that um, we don't understand. We think it's a, a, a gooey romantic feeling. I think even if it is used responsibly, we often think in terms of long-term relationship, marriage, terms of a, a sexual concept, context, right? Which, okay, fair enough. Um, some of my favorite stories, you know, as a single person, for example, but from my favorite stories generally are ones where the most important relationships aren't romantic, sexual. Like Killjoys, if you haven't watched Killjoys, go watch that show. Uh, just finished about a year ago or so, maybe two years ago. Filmed in Toronto. Uh, the most important relationship in that show is a male and female friend. Uh, they they sort of play with the what if of a romance towards the end, but never seriously. It was always the core, the way they complement each other, the way they love each other in a very friendship way. 
The beautiful scene, just Picard and Soji sitting on the picnic benches in the in the ship, um, and Picard having struggling with this word love. Right? Did Data love me? Did I love Data? And uh, you know, I mean, neither of them, in different for different reasons, had a. Uh, capacity for emotion that strongly and it's interesting Picard goes there in order to set up this is what we think love is <laughs> but then he describes how Data's ability to sacrifice and to seek the good of all and to seek Picard's good to share time and life that, that Jean-Luc was the person Data sought himself his own being with Right, pursued that quest for selfhood and, and authentic selfhood. And, and you know, Soji hears that, and without hesitation, yes, Picard, yes, Data loved you. Without any hint of of hesitation, denial, anything, it was just a wonderful statement. That of course then gets picked up by Rafi with Picard. And Rafi's able to say to Picard, uh, her captain, her mentor, her admiral, whatever, commanding officer, mentor, leader, even despite the the way she gets washed up and cast aside, um, that she's able to find the word love for Picard, too. And, you know... It, <laughs> There's no hint of, of it being a sexual thing. That would be weird and gross, right? It was a paternal thing. Similar to the, with, uh, oh, what am I blanking on his name? The Kuwatmalat sword kid. <coughs> Sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but I remember Kuwatmalat for some reason. Anyway, uh, <laughs> clearly there's love there. Maybe he doesn't even need to say it, even though, despite absolute candor. Uh, see, it's clear that this show is able to uh, to explore what that means in terms of this is the these are the people I am with, these people I'm commit committed to. Now there is, of course, some romance, some innuendo, some stuff. Um, between some characters and it, I do actually think it was kind of tastefully done made sense um, you know I'm thinking of Jurati flirting with Rios and then when she's in shock she turns to him and it's not not the most helpful choice not the most constructive choice but he's there and I think that does turn into something more tender and more genuine but that's not the main point. And they don't ever use the word love there. Right? They, they use the word love for non-romantic contexts. And it was a beautiful exploration of that. Um, that, of course, gets me to the last thing. And that is of death. And by that, I mean I can include old age. I can include... Um, 
really the way death and finitude uh, help define life, help it make it meaningful. Uh, we again, we often don't see stories of people who are older. We don't see stories of people who are dying very often. We we don't really care. They're not marketable, right? We're, we're, our stories are aimed at sexually active young people, right? Who have the money to go out and buy these subscriptions and buy the movie tickets. And um, yet here we are confronted at the very beginning of the series with our beloved character because... We all love him too. And I think that's part of what's going on. Just to back up a second. That's part of what's going on with with Rafi and with Data. And of course, we love Data, but we also love Picard. <laughs> anyway, we're confronted with him. And we learned that this disease that he had uh, first diagnosed in the, in the TNG finale is now coming back to haunt him. Uh, it's... Similar to uh, the way he had the, you know, the the knife through the heart in the academy, and that has come back to haunt him in later times. And there's a whole other theme here of, of technology and sustaining life uh, that I don't think I can get to in a minute. That's part of this, but it's amazing just how we're confronted by. A beloved dying character who's 93 years old right and it's interesting it's very poignant now that uh, we were told in the midst of this virus to let's get back to work get back to business who cares if grandma grandpa gets the virus and dies well at least the GDP and prosperity can continue to stay afloat well no these are people <laughs> they have dignity and their stories matter um, and their natural process natural progression towards death is something we need to attend to more fully because and this is what again this, this virus has shown us you know we can't actually in the words of Stanley Harawas we can't get out of death alive we can't get out of life alive we are not in this autonomous control over our lives it will end we will face disease and injury and uh, and death <laughs> right what do we do with that how do we uh, confront that how do we see that is death an enemy or is death a friend? And just like in generations, for example, time is death. Is time an enemy or is time a friend? What's another beautiful thing of the show is, and and I, I had a feeling it would would go there is, it says the 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 limit of our time. You know, it's not doesn't fully define us but it's something that makes everything sweeter it means we have to actually cherish it, it means our choices uh, you know whether we uh, 
just seek our own gain selfishly in fear and end up not seeking our gain because that doesn't pan out ultimately. Or whether we seek the welfare of all, that choice matters even more. It's pressed even more because you know, we can't just put off taking care of other people. We can't just put off showing love and loving others being with others who need us who want us to be around you know soji just couldn't just put off um you know the threat or or the need to reach out and uh, seek peace with the humans right? she needed to do that now because that this death as enemy was coming and would have come and wiped us out but card could not have put off the uh yeah well that's where she learns it right picard couldn't put off what soji needed her to needed him to do which was to come and get her and to take her home and to teach her ultimately to choose better he couldn't put that off because uh, Dodge had come and revealed everything to him. And so the responsibility, the burden to choose to be better was placed on his shoulders. And so he had to go. And it gives him this urgency and this intensity um, you know, that gives him this, this intensity. I think even Maybe in that interview in the first episode, why he makes the foolish decision to call Starfleet out and call the Federation out. I don't know if we can't say he, he had some insight there. Maybe, maybe he couldn't put off telling the truth, even if it might have seemed a more prudent decision to not. <laughs> right. Um, and then, of course, we come to that strangely beautiful epilogue for the finale i'll take a bit of water um, and that revelation with data that yes he was constantly his quest to become more human which i've said is his quest to become more fully himself and he does that to choose to the choice to be better and the ability to choose to be better does that with the choice and the ability to love and care for and be with others. He does that in Nemesis with the ability to sacrifice himself. And that's something that has reverberations across this whole series. And that film, as mediocre a film as it is, has wonderful reverberations. It is wonderfully taken seriously throughout this series. Um, his final step in becoming a fully human and fully himself is to fully finally face the finitude. Sorry for the alliteration. <laughs> the finitude of life, the endingness, endingness endedness to surrender 
Right, because even when you're sacrificing yourself, or as, as Picard says to Soji, when you're sacrificing others, it's still a bit of an act of power and autonomy. Not necessarily a bad thing. With Data, it's definitely, it was a good and necessary thing. Um, and I mean, here we do come to talk of martyrdom, right? Um, but his consciousness was still there. And this is a bit of an add-on, a little bit, but in the story. But we're finally given that this is a wonderful thing. We're given the time to see Data's process, right? In, in, in Nemesis, it happens so fast. He has to destroy the ship and everything. And so he just destroys himself. Of course, he's carried on to, into before and into this uh, weird quantum state, whatever this is, whatever that is. It's wonderful that we're given the 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 time to see data go, data surrender, and fully enjoy human life, and cherish everything, and cherish its meaning. Um, to choose to be better and to love. Right. With Picard's own death and then rebirth, that's a little complicated. It's actually kind of maybe mirrors in a way what happened with Data, right? Data supposedly dies in Nemesis, but we keep seeing him, he keeps coming back, and now he's truly and well gone. Well and truly gone. Uh, we know, we knew while watching this finale that season two had been has been greenlit. Don't know if it's ever going to get, don't know when it's going to be able to get shot, uh, lit, filmed and made, but it will. Um, so clearly it's still called Picard. So clearly, even though Picard dies, he still has to come back somehow. Um, it's a fascinating choice that they make. Uh, it's probably going to be controversial to put him in the golem. Um, but it was, <laughs> you know, it's funny at this moment how Picard himself is anxious that, uh, did you make me immortal? Did you give me superpowers? Did you make me something other than human? No. Everything's the same. Except for this one thing that's healed is basically the function of this. And so... It does, in this way, what technology in Star Trek has always meant to do. Almost the reverse, the, the, the mirror, not the reverse, the mirror image of what we see with Data, right? Data is a machine, a piece of technology that seeks to finally become human. Picard, and, and, and Soji continues this in her own way. Picard and Seven and to some extent Hugh and all the XBs. Well, Picard and Seven and Hugh and the XBs, they've faced this technology that comes at them to control them and to command them and to uh, to take over, to deny their choice, right? In a very tyrannical and evil way. And so... It's important that 
Locutus and Seven and Hugh are all liberated to become more fully themselves. It's fascinating with this choice then on the part of the writers to make Picard into a golem is it sees technology at the service of life. Because with the XBs, with with Seven and with Hugh, or the Hugh himself also dies probably a little too quickly. Um, the technology within them is, is a bit of an enemy. They haven't fully grappled. In fact, that's probably what their process is, is grappling with the fact that this experience of evil tyrannical technology has reduced their humanity. And there's that, that beautiful line at the end. I, I'm saying beautiful line, wonderful moment, all that stuff. That line at the end, of, near the end of that 7 of 9 episode, I believe episode 4-ish, I think, where Seven asks Picard, do you ever fully recover? Can you recover? Yes. Do you ever fully recover? No, not really. This final, uh, final epilogue here, where Picard is now a synth. <laughs> the synths are free from a tyrannical limit of their choice. The ban has been lifted. They can go and be better. Knowing, hopefully, learning, hopefully, from Picard's lessons. Picard, the wisdom Picard has given Soju, especially. But Picard himself is also technology now at the service of life right he's still just like data he's still programmed but not in a sense of fate or destiny but a sense of ability nature that's the distinction that this makes and so then going back to the beginning it's a distinction the whole series makes right in the year 2020, as we're sitting here, androids and golems of that sophistication are not possible. <laughs> we still grapple with, like I said, problems of programming versus choice versus tyranny versus autonomy. Um, and yet, this show reveals... The thing that I think Star Trek always tried to do is to do good, to be good, can be in our nature. Especially if we learn it, if we practice it. I mean, it's it's not just Augustine, it's Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas, right? It's <laughs> cultivated habits of goodness that lead us to become more fully ourselves. Whether you're uh, organic or you're a synth. Either way. So, I'm pleasantly surprised by this show. There were some things, again, that didn't quite make sense. I'm still wrapping my head around how the synth ban was so easily lifted and how Starfleet so easily rushed to Picard's aid at the end and recognized his claim, the claim for uh, first contact, all that. I do get a bit... In terms of, okay, Commodore O is really a traitor, and she 
Javash Tashiar. So all the synth band was this this Javash plot, and so it can be less trusted. Does that make it make more sense that Federation Starfleet can reverse it so quickly? Maybe if we say, remember, Federation Starfleet are more a more enlightened in a good way version of our own society. They are the ideal America, if I can put it that way. So maybe, maybe that makes sense. Hopefully they explore that in season two. Um, hopefully they carry on this responsible handling of these themes. I know some shows uh, start out strong on these things and then start to decline. Uh, I'm looking at you, The Good Place, although I haven't finished The Good Place, but to me, I think it, it demonstrates that decline. Um, hopefully Picard doesn't do that. I know Discovery Season 3 is on its way. We don't know. That's one of the tricky things about, about this quarantine and this virus is it's affecting everybody. <laughs> it's affecting all of us in different ways. Some people are suffering more acutely. I can't say I'm necessarily suffering right now. Uh, there's things I miss, things I wish were happening. Um, but that's that's the funny thing with Picard is it gives us a way of saying, okay, we're not in control fully of our lives. How can we choose to be better, choose to love, and choose to accept and cherish things that may come to an end and to let them go and detach. So again, pleasantly surprised by this show. I was had, even though I had hype going in still it um, was able to grapple with things and carry me on a story that I was enthralled by. So those are my thoughts. That's my spoilery uh, full season themes review of Picard season one. Uh, if you liked it, if you didn't, if you have other thoughts, let me know. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NUG485. And give me a follow on Instagram at MNUG1138. Thanks for listening. Live long and prosper.